With a jolt, the train breaks through into a new dimension. The air itself shatters like stained glass. Rainbow splinters of reality pelt the windows, pierce the locomotive's thick hide, embed themselves briefly in your mind's eye before fading into the background chaos of existence. Tracks frantically lay themselves before the rushing train, each segment slamming into the soft mauve mud of this unfamiliar world with a disconsolate splash. Wide-eyed creatures honk and burble in alarm, squelching out of the path of destruction. A tree as tall as the world reaches up into an ochre sky. No, it's not a tree. Is that a leg? A vein? It pulses, and the train flinches as if struck. A note like a void in sound rings out, and you all crash through into yet another dimension. Crystal mountains, pink and blue and white, march in serried ranks towards a claustrophobic horizon, while gemstone stars glimmer high above. The train attempts a tunnel ahead. The train is too big. The tunnel is too small. It is not adjusted to the physics of this realm. With a horrifying cacophony of crashing and shrieking, the teeth of the crystal mountain tear into the train, even as you are pelted with yet more splinters of this new reality. The train cannot stop. It has not stopped for weeks, punching holes through the fabric of the inflorescence and laying waste to landscape upon world after world. Eventually, it may rupture the protective membrane between realities entirely, and no one knows exactly what will happen then. Nothing good, the experts agree. The train screams through this desolate landscape, but the myriad is here now. You have struggled through car after car of this speeding nightmare, facing challenges most could not even imagine. Reaching through the night, where do we find you now? Reaching through the night, a starfish inside a water tank in a mech suit hops down into the conductor's chair and begins furiously pounding on the keyboard, trying to arrest the train's unstoppable momentum, and it calls out to Jojo. I'm going to need your help over here. Things are getting dicey. Jojo is a tall, anthropomorphic shark person wearing a very debonair suit. Upon being called over, they're going to run to reaching through the night side and use their immense strength to help jar some of the levers and switches that are stuck. I think while they're doing that, they're going to realize that some of this, more of the techie stuff might be out of their kind of sphere influence. So they'll call out, Keva, we might need some help communicating with this machine. All right, all right. Keva, five foot six human young adult, steps up and from her pinned up hair comes flowing out some weird silver metallic hair-like substance from the temples of her head and goes out and stretches and finds a port to connect into the controls and it's almost like some static goes through her eyes or they glaze over as she's trying to communicate with the machine and she snaps back to reality and turns around and says, Ollie, it, it looks like some stingmajig, whatever, is broken. I'm going to need you to fix it, please. I'm on it. Ollie um, heads over to the, to the uh, controls. Ollie is a possum person uh, with pink hair wearing overalls and a page boy's cap. They proceed to take off one of the panels and start frantically digging inside. Hmm, I think this might be it. She proceeds to pull cables apart and uh, plug other cables back in, <laughs> trying to get the train to jolt to a stop. As Ollie pulls out a blue cable and plugs it in where a red cable was once attached, there is, unfortunately, a little bit of an explosion. <laughs> and by a little bit of an explosion, I mean the train falls off of its track, tumbling sideways down the crystal mountains, shaking everyone within as if they were ice 
in a martini glass being prepared. You know how it is. Boom, crash. It's horrifying. Everything goes black. And we rewind to... Welcome to Medleystead, the Mosaic City. Founded when the Hablon, Centauran, Andromedan, and Hygean representatives met to establish the Heliodor Accord in the wake of the Solar Free State's defeat, it is a vibrant and hungry young city. The people of Medleystead seek to bring cultures together while respecting their individuality. Magics and technologies from across realities mix and mingle amid tree and fungus buildings where people of all kinds connect, build, and create. Hop on a Jarida and skim the seafolk-filled canals that link the distinctive land neighborhoods, from the colorful and cultivated Concord Lagoon, where people gather to administer the Heliodor Accord, to the warm and sprawling free medical hospital compound where healers congregate to teach and learn. Hop a centipede and ride to the bustling bazaar, heart of the city, where artisans and farmers barter and banter amidst flashing holograms. Home of the Machine Shop, where legendary rebels Emran Pak and Kevajarma build cybernetics and tend psychic goats. Swing by the Dairy District to see the latest in food technology. Signal a bee to carry you up to Spaceport Mountain, a cosmopolitan collection of grounded starships converted into homes and workshops where digital and mechanical life gather. Or up to the tall tree tech hoists of Spider Crane Park, strewn with vines and vermin moving goods through the dark pit of the maw to the underground. From there, rappel down into the lower levels with a friendly spider and explore the gem-strewn bioluminescent tunnels of Hadestown, where the enigmatic anarchist Maeve Sentis works in secret with her horde of uplifted creatures. Ride back up into the sky and dock with the honeycomb dirigible, where people gene-hack their way to winged flight and new modes of communication. From the upper decks, enjoy the view of the city's landmarks. The Black Pyramid of the Nexus, where the antiquarian reads stories to children and catalogs the knowledge shared by the people of Medleystead. The abstract statue of Gov just across the way, standing as if in defiant remembrance. The sleek and high-tech tower, where technophiles and dreamers try to send signals through the membranes between realities. The Wittershins, a magical waterfall that rushes up into the sky. Look beyond the city to the farms and brushlands ringed with mountains where forests of humming lightning cast their glow over Capybaral's strange crops. Perhaps you will see the massive form of Quilt, the pillar of Medleystead, bringing life and joy wherever they step, covered with children playing and grooming their bristly fur and heavy claws, the creatures shining with pleasure as their community grows. Above it all, the great broken arc of the solar array sparkles over this ruderal bloom, a reminder of what and who was lost. In Medley said, there are certain beliefs that people share across their varied cultures, which they sum up with this motto, community is our harvest. No one may be left wanting if anyone has excess. Every single life is deserving. No person may be valued above another. Choose rules, not rulers. These are the ideals that bond the patchwork communities of Medleystead together into this kinetic mosaic. Of course, there is no such thing as a true utopia, and Medleystead is as full of friction and tension as any community. When the emergency came and devoured the world, Medleystead became stranded in this strange new reality of the inflorescence, cut off from the rest of Havlon, and those tensions grew. When the sky tore open and people from distant dimensions walked through, the people of the city worked to pull together again and find a way to harness these dimensional rifts with hopes of connecting with new communities and reconnecting the scattered towns and cities of Havlon. Even this goal is contentious, as not everyone can agree on the best ways to work with different realities, often with wildly different ideals. 
The Wayfinders Guild formed to oversee the city's attempts to traverse the inflorescence, but they are not alone, and their voice, while strong, is not the only one. It is here, in a derelict aquarium dredged up from Hablon's past, that a group of couriers, builders, and troubleshooters organized by that guild work to build bridges to new worlds and old friends. They come from many places, have many skills, and face many problems, both here and abroad. They are the myriad, and these are their stories. So tell me again, says Ruth, leader of the Wayfinders Guild, how it is that you managed to build an entire interdimensional train without anybody noticing. Uh, well, uh, it's, uh, it's an excellent question, ma'am. Uh, let me just, uh, first of all, um, thank you for meeting with us. We know that you're all very busy dealing with emergencies uh, all, all across all across the realm, and uh, we deeply appreciate all of the efforts that you put in Ruth holds up a hand. Please, shut up. You have made a terrible mistake. You have broken every restriction placed upon you. You have endangered not only everyone in this community, but perhaps everyone in every community across the entirety of this universe in which we find ourselves. Now answer me the question, how did you make this train? Our camera pans from Ruth, a woman in her 70s. She has dark skin, bald head, eye patch. She's leaning on a cane as she stands behind her large desk. She glowers across the table, and we flip around to see a representative from the Misfit School for Interdimensional Travel. He's sweating, as well he should be. He clutches a soft hat in between his hands, kneading it desperately between his paws. He's a cat. Well, mostly a cat. He's also partly a person. His ears lie flat against his russet hair and, well, fur, and he stares up at the glowering woman and says, Okay. Okay, well, um, I'll answer your question. I'm waiting, Ruth says. We may have broken some rules. Yes. We may have broken all the rules. Yes, she says. Okay, so we stole some technology, and then we went underground, and we built the train, and we thought it was going to be great, and it's not. She nods. We're going to deal with you later. She reaches down to pick up the phone. She holds it up and presses a button, all the colors of a rainbow. Get me, Keva. Keva. Your communicator beeps. Uh, Keva shoves her hand in her pocket under her coat, juggling a bag of something. I don't know what the heck. And she presses a button and answers it and says, Hi, you've reached Keva Jarma. Keva, it's Ruth. Hey. We've got a situation. Uh, okay, what sort of situation? Oh, the end of the universe type. How are you feeling today? Okay, until you said the end of the universe. How about you? Oh, you know, hips flaring up, but nothing unusual there. Now, I'm here with Tirzo from the Misfit School. You know Tirzo. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the cat people. Guy. Sorry. Sorry. No. Oh, oh, gosh. I said that part out loud. Sorry. It's fine. Tirzo built a train with his comrades, and the train is punching holes between dimensions. And uh, it might destroy everything. Okay. How's your team? Oh. Good. Yeah, I guess we could try to take care of that. Of course. All right. Gather them at the mall in the Pox Cauldron. The train should be coming through. She glances down at a pocket watch that she pulls out of her dress, which of course has pockets. It's been every two hours so far. Okay. Well, that's timely. Get yourselves geared up. Meet me there. She hangs up without waiting for a response and turns back to start shouting at Tirzo as the camera fades from that scene. Where do we find reaching through the night on a regular day here in Medleystead? 
I think that Reaching is um, floating around in a water tank inside the abandoned aquarium and um, genuinely looks like a normal room until the camera reveals that it's a starfish on a little bed inside a tiny little house in an aquarium. And then uh, he floats up, uh, crests the water and looks out into the, uh, the empty workshop and then runs over to one of the corners of the, uh, of the, of the aquarium, presses a little button uh, on the ground and is is vacuumed into his mech suit um and he begins running diagnostics tapping on a heads-up display inside the the fish tank of the suit itself everything seems to be in order it's looking good all right legs work he stops a few steps ahead uh Kevin, what does it sound like when you send a message to the rest of the myriad what's the what's the <laughs> ringtone <laughs> Well, doesn't everyone have their own personalized one for Keva? Maybe, but this might be the emergency line. Oh, okay. The emergency message goes something like... All right, so you hear that reaching through the night as you're running your diagnostics. It's the call. It's calm so that it doesn't freak everyone out. Oh, by all the stars, what could it be? As we wait to hear what it would be, where would we find Jojo on a regular day? Jojo is always in whatever passes for a gym, <laughs> making uh, needlessly exhaustive and ostentatious posing. Is the posing like, is it weighted posing so that when you, you know, reveal that you've been wearing... Uh, weighted bracelets all along and let them clash to the floor. You can pose even harder than ever. Oh, absolutely. I mean, otherwise, what is the point? Just wanted to check and make sure that we're on the same track here. <laughs> <laughs> what is Jojo's communicator like? How does Jojo keep in touch with the myriad? Uh, it looks like a big conch, but inside mm -hmm. it, it's a very sophisticated communicator. Yo! <laughs> just worn at their belt, or is it? Uh... Uh, just, just worn at the belt. Excellent. Uh, you hear the same classical music as you are in the midst of one of your difficult poses. There's a couple of seconds where th there's a very intense deliberation of whether or not to break the pose to answer the communicator. The pose m must be finished, so Jojo will fashionably wait until the third ring to answer. As we are waiting for Jojo to finish posing, uh, we flip over to see what Ollie's up to. Yeah, Ali is just getting back to the workshop. They're carrying a huge bag of uh, things that they managed to scavenge around town. So they get inside and uh, immediately set the bag down with a clamor. I'm home! Uh, as you say, I'm home, your communicator begins to trill as well. What's Ollie's communicator like? Like a 1990s cell phone. It's incredibly <laughs> huge and impractical and, and a little nostalgic. <laughs> Is it one of the flip ones or is it one of the brick ones? Oh, it's one of the brick ones. Naturally. Good, good. Do you have to pull an antenna out of it? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Keva, you've got everyone on the call now. Hi, everyone. Uh, sorry to bother you, but there's some sort of horrible interdimensional train uh, ripping through the Pox Cauldron every two hours, and it might be breaking the fabric of reality. And uh, Ruth called and wants us to fix it. Are you for real? Do we get to go on the train? Uh, that or we like somehow like physically stop. <sighs> I imagine. Oh, I can't wait. So when do we go? 
Well, we're supposed to meet her and uh, the other people there in two hours. Ali's already on her way wherever there is. <laughs> I'll send you all the coordinates there. You'll duly receive the coordinates on your communicators, whether it's a holographic display or a dancing mist or good old-fashioned LEDs. And um, making your way to the Pox Cauldron, you will be able to find the mall fairly easily because it is the only mall in the community that regularly has storefronts from different dimensions appearing and disappearing. Uh, this mall often serves as the headquarters of a couple of different interdimensional investigators. Uh, in particular, this is where you would find the uh, Misfit School for Interdimensional Travel most of the time. They have their headquarters set up here in what used to be a community college wing of this mall. So that's probably where you're all going to meet up. Occasionally flashing octarine lights window. <laughs> So waiting for you there is Ruth, who I've already described. She's, uh, she's about six feet tall. As I mentioned, bald. Uh, she's uh, leaning on a cane on her right side for the most part, but doesn't let that slow her down. She's rubbing her hip also on that side as you arrive. Uh, her eye patch is irising open and shut to reveal a uh, robotic eye underneath. She looks sour and angry. Uh, but what else is new? As she is standing there next to a anthropomorphic cat who is wearing work boots and a, it's those glasses, you know, where they have like 70 different lenses that you can flip down in different combinations of colors. Yeah. Like a national treasure. Like a national treasure. Uh, and this is Tirzo Palakin, whose uh, pronouns are he and him. And uh, he has, as mentioned before, russet colored fur. And uh, yeah, he's, he's got an apron on as well. He looks cowed and is sort of clutching a, uh, a soft hat still between his paws and uh, his ears continue to lie flat against his head. He is deliberately avoiding making eye contact with anyone, but especially with Ruth as all of you gather here. Well, that was quick, Ruth says as you arrive. Are you all ready to go? Ali nods frantically. Hatched ready. She nods. Well, it being the end of the world and all, I figured. Be fast. Uh, just give me one moment i just need to send out a message to someone else keva says and starts typing into her device a mystery message i can't imagine who keva would be messaging at a time like this camera cuts to someone lifting weights in a in a house and a goat bleats in the distance <laughs> all right uh so we are all gathered here and ruth is basically going to repeat the same information to you uh, almost as if she is uh, rubbing it in, uh, her, her frustration, her general displeasure, with uh, Tirzo Palakin in specific, and of course the Misfit School for Interdimensional Travel in general. And she says, now if you head over to the food court in about, she looks at her pocket watch again, nine minutes, you should see the train race through. And after that, it'll be just about two hours before it comes again though it has been coming at increasingly fast intervals. So it might be hour 58, hour 57. Hard to say, but it will be coming through again if you miss it this time. Any way to stabilize the breach? Not that we've found so far, but we have some Wirft mages working on it. Okay. Food court. wonder if they're serving any spider. She looks at you for a moment, squinting, then shrugs and says, I've got to go deal with the misfit school. You stop that train. Of course, ma'am, Keva says. She nods and turns and stumps off, uh, heading up the ramp 
that uh, is like a people mover ramp taking her up to the second floor because of course community colleges and malls are always on the second floor and Tirzo looks at you um, looking again still quite cowed which is unusual for a cat and uh, he says uh, well uh, if, if there's anything I can uh, help you with of course I will uh, pro provide the assistance oh geez what type of operation OS is going on on that train well uh <clears throat> it's fu funny you should funny you should ask it's a it's a funny story really it's a very funny very funny story uh you'll, you'll laugh it's very funny pick up the pace please we summoned a demon you did what we we, we summoned a demon uh and uh and, and we put the demon into the train wait wait a demon like from the fairy tales or da demon like a you know the magic one have one. Oh, okay okay didn't know those really existed but okay Alias. well you know we we found some uh yeah there is uh there's some talk of it uh, we were able to get some uh, some materials that were that were smuggled in uh through through another breach and uh, yeah well tears of kind of trails off nervously slicking uh one of his paws back up over his head near Alias just taking notes furiously in a notebook. Sounds like we've got an infernal train off the rails. That tracks. Ollie groans. Jojo and is like, okay. So the misfits have been dealing with rift smugglers now. Uh, well, you, you know, they 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 offered uh, some some information that we felt would be useful to us in expanding our studies and uh, making more stable transit between realities, which is what we are supposed to be doing. I'll remind you, that is, that's the mandate that was given to us after the pop. Uh, so we've just, uh, you know, we did circumvent a few regulations. It's okay that you're trying to explore here. I get it. I'm just trying to understand why you decided to use a demon, because they're evil? Oh, no, 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 no. That's common misconception. No, a, a demon's not an evil creature. Uh, a, a demon is, is simply from a different dimension, and, and demons like to make contracts with people, and uh, they happen to gain power through these social interactions, these social contracts that they form. So, so whose blood is on the dotted line? Oh, well, um, it, it, that's mine. Beggars, you're coming with us, Terzo. Oh, I, 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 couldn't, I, I couldn't go through, through that. I guess. I, I'm not. Tirzo gestures at uh, at himself. I'm not. Uh, I, I'm not the adventurous type. Uh, I, I'm more. I, I do books. More the destroy the universe type. You're right. Uh, yeah, but honestly, seriously though, would it even listen to us? Well, I. The demon is fulfilling the contract that we wrote. I can furnish you with the contract. I don't know that my presence is is going to make any difference. I don't know if. I mean, can it make another contract? Uh, can we void the contract with you not there? Uh, first things first. Yeah, these are things I don't know, Tirzo says. But it is something you could try to gather information on if you wish to. I'd love to. All right. When you gather information as part of planning a mission, let me pull this up here. By the way, I'm starting to get demon uh, from good old uh, Howl's Moving Castle rules. <laughs> Seems to be a good touchdown. Mm -hmm. What with the many worlds and the the one solid place traveling between them all, and and the 
and the demon and the demon <laughs> yeah the demon really i was really thinking i'm like oh yeah the demon the demons yeah there's calcifer and then, <laughs> in, in the book there's another fire demon that concern uh yeah consumes the witch of the waste part yeah she has some people have all the luck all right collecting information so striders are smart people with good instincts and by default i will tell you what your characters perceive know and intuit uh, there's too much going on to say everything without wasting time or boring the table. If there's anything you ever want to know more about, you can always ask me to clarify or explain further. If the answers are common knowledge or easy to figure out, I'll just tell you straight up. But if they may be tough to determine, that's when collecting information comes in. And for the most part, a collect info role is like any other kind of action role. I'll uh, ask you what it is you're trying to figure out and some details about how you get the information. Then you'll make an action role to see how it goes. Often collect info roles will be controlled, but if you're trying to figure out someone's motives in the middle of a fight, then your position might be risky or even desperate. The main difference is in the outcomes. Instead of changing the world, your impact level affects how much detail you get. You judge the impact role the same way you do for an ordinary action role. It's based on the effectiveness of your actions, the tools you have available, the circumstances at hand, and so on. There are also certain special abilities that apply specifically to collect info roles, which you might be interested in if you're the kind of player who likes to know exactly what's going on. Okay, so how are you going to try and find this out? Do you know anyone you could contact about this kind of thing? I think, I think reaching just turns the mech suit toward Ollie, uh, leans down a bit. Now, Love, is this something you've ever heard of before? Would this have been something that Ollie has heard of before? Demons? Yeah. Um, maybe in like, again, maybe in storybooks or movies, TV shows, that kind of thing. Nope, don't know much about it. Do we know anyone who's from a different reality, personally? Keva looks at Jojo. Jojo poses. <laughs> No, that <laughs> reaching can't pinch the bridge of his nose, but just taps <laughs> taps his own water tank. <laughs> no, don't tap the glass. You don't like that. I was imagining uh, like crinkling up in frustration more. Yeah, just all of the all of the different starfish limbs come together to form a solid point. <laughs> <laughs> um, are there demons in Nazoth? You know what? Yeah. Okay, so you might know some of this information if you rack your brains. Uh, let's see. How tuned in to the kind of academics of the magical world do you think Jojo was back in the home dimension in, uh, in Nazoth? Maybe only marginally. I feel like, not that this follows conventional magic archetypes, but if we did, Jojo is probably more along the lines of a monk than like a wizard. Okay. So they may be marginally familiar, but they wouldn't know the ins and outs. Okay. And plus, the demons that uh, Jojo would know about are not necessarily these demons. Oh, right. Uh, I meant to have them say, I meant to have him say, um, Tirzo, the way that he got a hold of this stuff was through uh, the Free Realms Commission. It always comes back to them, doesn't it? Well, Eli and the rest like to have their fingers in a lot of pots. Probably managed to get rich off this somehow. Well, uh, you know, they had they had the information that we needed. When they came to offer it, I, how could we refuse? It was for our work. And what did you give them? Uh, we, we may have given them uh, a rifter or two. I don't suppose that has a serial number on it. Nay. Uh, if it did, I imagine not anymore. Hi, Terzo. Uh, well, okay. So obviously we talked to them, say... Hey, it was a completely legitimate, horrible transaction that you all did. Uh, we're not here to put any blame. We just want to know how to stop it. 
save everyone's asses. Tirzo looks up and says, "That's I, I don't know if they'll believe that lie. What do you mean? They know it's against the rules as much as anyone to deal in transdimensional technology without authorization. It's fine. I'll <laughs> find it just like I did the last two. Oh, there's always the possibility that the Nexus has information about it now. We've got maybe six and a half minutes left. Tirzo offers up a sad shrug and scratches his foot paw on the ground like I think an odd chucks kind of thing this this might be a put a pin it put a pin in it later for later you know it being a now five minutes before the train comes barreling through reality yeah i mean you could give eli a call you could see what jojo can remember uh you could get in touch with anyone else you think who might be interested in magical mystical stuff but beyond that you should probably get moving get you can walk and talk yeah oh i'm and I know someone very annoying that likes mystical stuff, but I don't know if that's in their realm of interest. Well, give them a call and find out. Fine. If if Keva contacts CD, can I have someone else actually talk to CD? Okay. Yeah, you have someone else can contact CD. Sure. Look, I know someone that, uh, well, likes really esoteric, weird stuff, and probably as soon as anyone found out that there were demons... Uh, probably would want to know everything about it because they're weird. Who wants to call CD? I but really don't. Basically, Kevin says, so, who, who, so CD, yeah. Who, who would want to talk to CD? Holly Love, would you? Yeah, I, sure. I, yeah, please. Thank you. All right. Um, Ollie pulls out their um, ridiculous um, 90s cell phone and gives uh, CD a ring. I imagine, though, that Keva has, like, the call code and gives it to Ollie. Oh, well, Ollie will take that, too, and shove the shove the phone back in their bag. Okay, we don't need to play out a full conversation with them. Uh, let's do the roll. I'm guessing what kind of, uh, let's see, what kind of uh, do action uh, do you feel like you're using to get this information? Um, let me take a look at the actions. It's looking kind of like connect to me, but I'm open to other options. I mean, connect sounds like it would work. Okay. Um, yeah. So roll your connect. You're in a controlled position. Okay. Oh. Yikes. Okay. So a two. It, again, it does. You know, it doesn't mean it's a failure here, uh, because it's a collect info roll. Yeah. Uh, but it does mean low. You get the bare basics, but not much else. You're probably missing key details. Uh, so what's some very partially correct information that cd shares uh keekers uh partially partially correct information that cd shares yeah there's probably lots of other stuff in there that is probably not very useful but there's one or two things that might be handy something very basic about it that we don't already know well for starters there's usually some sort of escape clause from a contract but it really depends on how high the demon is and how much of a willingness of a loophole they're going to give you if they're this type of demon it's going to be easier to break the deal and if they're this type of demon it's going to be harder all right all right at least taking notes so it is possible for a demon to break a contract is the basic information that we get not necessarily how, how to do it, but that it's possible. Yeah. Okay. Is anyone going to, does anyone want to call Eli or uh, anyone else before he, we arrive at the food court? This could be happening at the same yeah, time. Yeah. Ollie's going to be like, so do you have that contract? Uh, Tirzo reaches into his, um, the, the big pocket on the front of his apron and withdraws 
uh, an eldritch scroll on vellum. It is sealed with wax, and there is a skull on it, not a human skull. And uh, he passes it over to you. Thanks. Uh, I think we're going to hang on to this for a little bit. I'll get it back to you, though, hopefully. Uh, yeah, okay, thank you. Yeah, but I think you're down that blood for the rest of your life. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Actually, it might be a good idea to get, like, a written, videoed, you know, sort of thing, saying that you consent to us breaking this contract. Uh, yeah, so he, he nods and he starts doing that. Right, the demon might renege because we stole it or something. Smart. Oh, uh, that's what I'm trying to make sure. We're successful. All right, stand there. I'll film you. It says, uh, I, Tirzo Palakin, being of sound mind and body, do hereby blah, 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 etc., and so on. Uh, okay, and he, he does a very awkward bow at the end, as if he just doesn't really know how to end. His... That was lovely. <laughs> Four stars out of five. If I could cry, oh. Oh, Kevin looks at Reaching. It's like, can you? I think I can cry. And Reaching partially distends the, the fish tank from the mech suit. A little bit of water trickles out. And then he pops the soup, uh, the, the fish ball back in. Okay, sounds good. It's very brackish water. I wouldn't drink it. No, no. I uh, learned that lesson the hard way when I was on one of the Centaurian ships a long, well, not long, but a while ago. I was like day two in the food court. You arrive at the food court, and you can see that the Wayfinders Guild has set up a like cordoned off area. There's uh, holographic caution tape all over, and it says like caution dimensional rift on it. There are people in a variety of different types of protective gear uh, here and there, spread out, low talk. You know, canteens of coffee and other types of drink have been set up. Uh, it's a little ad hoc command center. Uh, you can see somebody setting up a communication equipment. Another person has a pot of soil and there are some mushrooms growing out of it to extend the wave uh, potentially through this rift. And um, yeah, things are very busy here. And you can see standing in the middle of the food court, there is uh, this shimmering hole that you can see. And on the other side of it is just static, like you would see on a TV screen tuned to no channel, that white noise, but there is no sound coming from it. And uh, it looks like occasionally this uh, hole, which is rather large, is starting to close at one side or another. And there is a, uh, a large man uh, in there. And every time it starts to close, he walks over and just stands near the part that's closing and it stops and retracts a bit. And you would recognize this man as Dr. Moonlock Powerbomb, who is a large man with the head of... Uh, Looks kind of like a St. Bernard, but with a flat face and humanoid otherwise. Hair slicked back and brown. He's wearing a lovely, uh, looks like this time, uh, a lovely crushed velvet suit uh, with a big lace cravat. And the, the suit in this time is a lime green with a uh, dark, deep purple trim. Wow. Keva goes over to Dr. Moonlock, Powerbomb, and it's like, hello, Dr. Moonba. Oh, Moonlock. Ugh. Oh, Keva. <laughs> Wonderful to see you. How are you today? Good. Probably going to have to go into that portal. Uh, oh, wonderful. I've been keeping it open, he says. Oh, hold on. And he strides across the uh, length of the portal to where it's starting to peel on one side. And he says, ah, 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 and stands there and it folds back to where it was. How are you able to keep it open? Oh, I'm immune to magic. Does that include demons? Well, uh, I could not be summoned or banished by a demon, but if a demon hit me, it would still hurt. That okay. was my next question. All right. Perfect. Uh, any of you all uh, immune to magic and didn't tell me? 
It was a looking recipe. Um, not that I know of. We have to roll to see if we're immune to magic. Uh, I don't think any of you would be immune, <laughs> immune to magic. Uh, there's a very specific reason why Dr. Moonlock Powerbomb is immune to magic, and I don't think any of you know it at the moment. It's because he's a dog. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pose and point intensely but respectfully at Dr. Moonbomb. Nice suit. Uh, as if he can sense your pose, even though he's looking the other way, he turns his head over his shoulder, his ears tossing uh, dramatically as he looks at you and his eyes narrow and then open again. And he does a pose back at you. He says, thank you. You're looking swole today. I flex. This is how hell is real and it's here. This is he's also flexing back. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. Well, honestly, um, okay. So the demon can affect us with magic. So that's something we now know. Wish I had known that sooner. Is there like some sort of anti-magic like thing we could use to protect ourselves from it? How many souls do you have? That souls? is such a leading question that tells me so <laughs> much about you. He puts his, his uh, hands up with the little puppy pads on the tips of his fingers and shrugs. Well, you know, if, if you have a soul and you don't mind selling it, you could also be immune to magic. Oh, we're just... We're telling people our dark, horrible secrets. <laughs> he squints. Well, that's, I mean, that's not my dark, horrible secret. That's just a fact of life. Is the train here yet? He looks, he looks <laughs> down at his pocket watch. He also has one, of course. He says, looks like one minute. Are you all prepared? Uh, what if we have like a really intense soul? Can we sell a piece of it? That's something you would have to bargain with an eldritch force to figure out. And souls exist. Ah, well, I don't really believe so, but certain creatures do, and that's good enough for them. Okay. I feel like the laws of metaphysics are all really up in the air, considering. Isn't it wonderful, he says. Yeah, but sometimes it makes it hard to know where the heck you're standing. I'm standing right here, he says. And he points at the portal. 30 seconds. I can hear it coming. Uh, one of Reaching's hands re retracts into the mech suit and is replaced with a grapple launcher. Okay. I was just looking to see if I had that sort of thing on my character sheet. <laughs> Ollie's going to climb up on him. <laughs> Please let it be a hook shot. Is it a hook shot? I suppose you'll have to wait and find out. Now, love, I know the, the tear of the air in your hair is a fabulous feeling, but you need to put on the backpack straps this time. I promise I'll do it. She does actually start doing it. <laughs> and uh, reaching uh, positions himself up on a food court table, ready to grapple at, uh, at the train that's going to tear at the reality in front of him in five seconds. Okay, well, uh, good idea to have a backup. So uh, Keva, Keva's hair comes out and she starts swinging it around like a lasso, <laughs> but it has a claw on it. And her other piece of hair shoots out and goes around everyone's uh, waist, plural. So what type of plan do you think you have here? What type of plan? Uh, plan. This sounds like, like a good plan. A plan that we were allowed to perform in eight minutes. Well, uh, the types of plan are battle, deception, stealth, social, technical, or transport. Uh, so I could see a deception plan might involve trying to trick the demon in the train somehow. A social plan might involve trying to form a new contract, um, an earnest one. Technical would involve tech or magic or some other exotic method of dealing with this train. A battle would be fight the train. Hmm. 
I mean, they did it. Tempted as I am. (laughs) (laughs) Duplex the train. I mean, they did it in Final Fantasy, didn't they? Wasn't wasn't there? Literally gonna say. (laughs) I was just referencing Final Fantasy VI. They fight the demon. Ghost train. Ghost train. You could kill Mm -hmm. it with a phoenix down. That's not. And you could suplex it. (laughs) You can Mm -hmm. suplex it. You can suplex the train. These are all things we can do. I can pile drive a plane. But what about a train? Also, I mean, what is a train but a land plane? Oh my gosh, does that mean that Jojo is our Sabin? Makes you think. It really makes you think. So what do you think? Oh god. Oh my gosh, I had an an idea. All right. Can Keva grab an egg? What kind of egg? Are you trying to offer us an egg in this trying time? Fertilized egg. Sorry? A fertilized egg. It's alive. It's a soul. Uh, I mean... No, uh, I'm guessing. I'm guessing it, they're I, like. Oh my god! <laughs> this went to a very dark place. As a centaurid, no. <laughs> no. The point was that it was a non-sentient being that they could trade the soul of. But yeah, it is a little. Yeah, I don't know if that would. Like, I don't know if you can trade someone else's soul, and we also don't know if the if this demon deals in souls, because that's not necessarily what's in this contract that the demon is so dumb. That'd be some foul play. (laughs) It's like, wait, you're not a soul demon. You're a spinal fluid demon, and you have a soul on this contract. Uh, uh. (laughs) We need to break the seal of this contract and study it, but once we're on the train, maybe. Sorry, I've done so much studying of judeo-christian religion that it's hard to get that picture of a demon out of my head mm. so i'm thinking Fair. oh what's souls well some things probably deal in souls but we don't know if that's what this is i deal in souls do we need to decide a plan before we actually get on the train and yeah. review the yes, contract <laughs> yeah, we, we genuinely do, do. <laughs> oh god you don't need your full plan you just need to know what kind of plan it's going to be transport we transport the demon off the train (laughs) (laughs) or or the train back to reality i'm thinking technical maybe just because i think between all of us we can do tech and the magics the demon can still have the train going it just won't work okay so the technical method here is you're either going to try and stop the train's movement through technology or somehow break the demon's contract sounds good technical or technicality yeah there you go i mean technically speaking could i could i punch the demon out of the train i don't know that's something we will have to find out we don't you don't have that spirit hands upgrade how dare you (laughs) but i do actually oh well never mind can i grab can keva grab some table salt sure that's a less terrifying idea than the egg soul. And you're in a food court. There's probably salt. Just in case. You can get those Kevin little salt packets. Dissolve a slug person. Uh, okay, so for your engagement roll, you start with one die for sheer luck, and then you add plus one for each major advantage and subtract one for each major disadvantage. So major advantages is the plan particularly bold or daring to hop onto the speeding interdimensional demon train and, and try break- and break its contract. That's pretty daring. That might be the, yeah. one of the most daring things we've ever done. Okay, uh, so we'll add one for that. Is the plan overly complex or rely on many factors? Fully not. Uh, I don't mm. think so for this no, one. No, not really. Yeah. As long as you get on the train, you should be okay. It's a train. What could go wrong? Uh, if the plan is particularly effective at accomplishing the goal or exploits a weakness in the target, I don't think we know enough 
to say either way there. Is it particularly ineffective at accomplishing the goal? Yeah, we don't know. But if a friend or contact can help with the mission, uh, you spoke to CD. I don't know how helpful that necessarily was. Uh, is there anyone oh. else that you would like to bring in on this? <laughs> Does Dr. Moonbomb count? Uh, he's going to be here keeping the portal open. Okay. Does Tirzo giving us his contract count? Um, let's see. I think that might be a miscellaneous element. So, yeah, we'll add a plus one for the miscellaneous element. Uh, is a rival or enemy interfering with the mission? Oh, don't uh, say it. Say yeah, it. of course. Don't say so no. Down to two. Are, do you have any foundations or abilities that provide a bonus to this engagement role? Bonus. Let's see. I think you get a bonus to transportation roles, or is that something you have to get an upgrade for? We have a rover garage, a warehouse, impact mesh, and one of us ability. We're not using our special vehicle. What if we had a link up to communicate with the largest person in the chair? <laughs> I don't know if she would want to come with you on, on this. I don't know if she wants to go onto the demon train. Matt, hear would me out. Hub likes trains. Does Hub like demon trains? <laughs> Hub likes transportation. Mm. <laughs> Everyone hear me out for a second. Yeah, okay, go ahead. We're all about to jump on the train. The train appears, and say we all get on the train. Out of, apropos of nothing and out of nowhere, Headbutt Swan Dive just dives in through a glass window <laughs> and is just there with us. Uh, you know, if you want Headbutt Swan Dive to come with you, you can... Uh... You can do that. You know what? Let's do a, let's do a fortune roll. I want to do a fortune roll so bad for Headbutt Swan Dive's help. To see if Headbutt Swan Dive will appear in this hour of need. Hell yes. So let's roll your group's uh, prosperity, which is currently zero. So yeah, you can roll uh, zero dice. And we'll say on a high roll then. Okay, sorry. Headbutt Swan Dive. I think as the as the train is screaming into view this uh, this portal the static uh, disappears it gradually resolves into a view of an onrushing train you can see it is a train that has these arms in the front of it and the arms are putting down pieces of glowing track in front of it as it goes and then at the back of the train there's another set of arms that is picking up the track as it passes and they throw those back to the front arms, and it continues going like that over and over again. So that is approaching through a darkened starscape. Uh, this train is screaming along towards you, and you can see that it looks like, aside from having arms, uh, it looks like the type of train that you might see uh, in uh, the early days of trains on Earth, a steam-style train. So it is, uh, it's got many cars behind the locomotive at the front. Locomotive at the front has this uh, smokestack, and there's a bright light on the front that is glowing a deep red. And uh, it also has a toothy mouth on the front that is open, and there is a long, sticky tongue trailing out of it. Uh, sort of like how when a dog is leaning out the window of a car, uh, except this uh, appears to be dripping some type of acid or poison from the tip of its tongue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And the smokestack, rather than belching smoke, just has this pillar of fire constantly coming out of it. And uh yeah, that's the that's the interdimensional demon train. And it's on its way. And as you uh, see that, you, you uh, turn around out of the corner of your eye, you can see headbutt swan dive outside the glass doors of the mall. Uh 
and they look in and make eye contact with you briefly and they shake their head and turn away. This is not Swamp Dive's fight today. I'm crushed. I'm I'm wounded. (laughs) Okay, so you are at currently two dice. Did we get through everything? Miscellaneous elements. You had the scroll there, and that right three, and then back down to two. All right, two dice. Who would like to roll for engagement? That's got to be the team leader. <laughs> okay. I believe in you. Please roll better than we did. Die? Two. Okay. Yes, oh yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so describe to me how the, uh, how your, entrance onto the train as it screams past how does this how does this go for all of you because it goes well we know okay, so as we know uh reaching has the hook gun and as uh the train starts rushing past somehow in sync both he and keva shoot their uh long cables as it were onto the train and they both kind of catch at the same time and are pulled towards it almost synchronized uh and they're all all four of the team are pulled in and they kind all of them kind of grapple except for ollie who is on reaching's back um onto the side of the train uh mostly helped by reaching and uh jojo who are the strongest physically okay uh, so you're all able to clamber onto the train about halfway up the cars, and uh, there is a door on the side of this car. And as you're clinging onto the side, uh, you know, one of you is able to crawl over and fling the door open, and everybody piles into the interior of this train, which is uh, incongruous uh, with the outside part of it. Uh, it is fairly, in this train car at least, uh, it looks fairly high-tech. There is only a couple of seats in this car. And they are that sort of stainless steel, shiny metal, um, easy to clean type thing. This looks like it might be a laboratory or research area, something along those lines. There's a wall of transparent cabinets along uh, one side of this train car. And along the other side, there is a sink and an eyewash station uh, and uh, that type of thing. Looks like maybe a first aid kit on the wall a fairly tall one because it has to cater to multiple species needs that's the room you're in the walls are white the ceiling's white there's some type of steady bright lighting and uh, the floor is tiles of some type that again look easy to clean the noise isn't as bad in here but you can still feel the movement of a train not to chunk get chunk chunk as it races over the tracks well ollie is going to uh immediately unbuckle themselves give their partner a kiss on the helmet and then immediately scurry over to dig through stuff and rummage <laughs> in the in the techie area. <laughs> Do they find anything interesting? Uh, it is, looks like pretty standard lab equipment. You know, you've got uh, various types of tube, something that looks like it might be a different type of burner, goggles, uh, gloves, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Hmm. It doesn't appear to be equipped or loaded with any actual chemicals or reagents or anything like that. So here. mostly just equipment. Yeah. It looks would... like they were in the midst of getting it set up, but didn't have time to load everything in before the train started doing its gotcha. thing. Gotcha. The turns on one of the Bunsen burners, says, oh, Bunsen, you light up my life. Ollie groans. I, I'm honestly considering flinging myself into interdimensional space because of that. 
Sorry. <laughs> I'm kind of it at this point. It wasn't that bad. I, I just like to be dramatic. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Okay, let's go find a demon. It's over with. Okay. If you would like to start searching for the demon, I will start a demon searching clock, I suppose. Oh, oh, oh yes. I would like that. Okay. Good old demon searching clock. Do we like start putting out books and crucifixes and like this, this is the closest <laughs> It's the closest to original blades in the dark we've ever been. <laughs> we would like get out the EMP thing, see if there's cold spots. All right, I've started a four tick find demon clock. I'm making really, really good paranormal activity jokes here. <laughs> I can hear that. What would you all like to do? How do you want to go about this? Could I try to tune in uh, and do a vibe check? See if I can find where the demon is. Sure. What does it look like when Jojo does this? They pose really hard and kind of glow a bit. Try to let their essence out. See if they can locate demon essence. Okay. You are calling to their essence with your own. Uh, you are in a controlled position, and I think using your uh, essence to try and attract the demon in this way would be with standard effects. So roll your tune. All right, here we go. Tis a four. Hey, hey. All right, very good. So on a four and a controlled roll. So on a controlled roll, uh, if you have a four or five, you can we can reduce the impacts. Uh, so yeah, I think as you are posing and the light is coming out of you, emanating from you, you see the uh, the steady lighting along the ceiling of this train car. It flickers in an unusual way, almost as if it were sending a message through some type of code, and then it stops. So I'm going to, let's see, I will tick that by one. Flickering lights with demons around, totally not creepy. Ollie Love, do you speak Mars code? I know a little. Might take me some time, but I'm willing to give it a shot. Can I burn a stress to say I recorded the flickering? Um, I, if you want to do a flashback for that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's just double check flashbacks here. I'm not sure that you necessarily need to burn a stress for that because you had the opportunity and you have the tools for it in your suit. Now, does your suit have the ability to record stuff? I mean, I sort of said it did, but I don't know if I have any load that says that. Uh, I guess it could be like on your slate, which is a free item of basic gear that everyone has. Oh, let's do that then. This is a normal load. I know we didn't say. Yeah, we should determine what your load was as you prepared to leap onto this uh, speeding train. I think it makes sense that it was just normal because we were preparing pretty quickly. So we could okay. only, does that make sense to everyone else? Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. All right, normal load. Uh, so you show the recording to Ollie, and Ollie, uh, what type of action do you want to take to attempt to figure out what this code is? I'm taking a look right now. Um, I'm thinking Decipher is going to probably be the best one. It does say Decipher a code or encryption there, so that, that makes sense. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, so you remain in a controlled position, and I think this will... Uh, you're looking at a recording of it, and it's just a brief... I think it's going to be limited effect to start with. So then just roll one? Um, yeah, you'd roll one. You can always push yourself or use uh, uh, get assisted, spend harmony, or get a lotus gambit uh, for different ways to increase your uh, dice pool there. I mean, I'll burn a stress. All right, let's do it. Yeah, it makes sense. You are assisting by having recorded and showing this to, to them. Or so bring up the two dice. <laughs> Yay. Hey. No, you didn't need my help. Okay. 
You're so Noist. smart. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. All right. So you are able to determine, uh, you're able to figure out what this uh, code said here. So I will decipher that code and that ticks up the clock again by one. All right. That brings the fine demon clock up to two out of four. Uh, so the message is partially um, obscured. Like it's difficult to see everything perfectly through the fact that it's in a flickering light and it's in a recording of a flickering light. Uh, but the message appears to be a, uh, a greeting and an invitation to uh, come and see how well everything's going. Yeah, the message is just like, everything's going great. Come check it out. Honestly, a lot more amiable than I thought he would have going to be. Is there an obvious door? Yep, there's a door on either end of the car. One at the front, one at the back. Reaching goes over to the front door. You can see outside of it, it's a door that would slide open once you unlock, unlatch it. Uh, it'll slide open to the left, and then you will cross a little walkway uh, to the door to the next car up. Reaching unlatches the door. Yeah, it just it opens up, and uh, you can see outside there's still this starry this uh you know dark starscape that the train was racing through before you can see a bit more now that you're actually in it uh, you can see that there is a ground in fact that it's racing over what you can tell here is that outside of the train and the immediate uh like envelope of uh you know mystical energy surrounding it uh there doesn't appear to be like air it looks like maybe this is some type of uh, moon or asteroid or something that the train is currently racing across. Um, as it is going, you can see that the track that it is laying down is digging into and sort of carving up and damaging the uh, rocky surface beneath. So wherever this world is, you know, it's still doing damage to it, but it seems like this is maybe at least there's nothing living around in this reality at this moment. It'll stop this thing soon. It's going to lay track through a hospital. Something worse. Yeah, at least here it's just superficial damage. Um, hmm. When the door's open, though, it is very loud. You can hear the, you know, from up at the front of the train, the sound of the engine, which is like a, a growling of, uh, of a thousand pounds, sort of, uh, is the sound of the train's engine. And uh, there's the sound of the pillar of fire shooting out of the smokestack. And there's uh, occasionally you can see those droplets of spittle flying back from uh, it's on the, on the left side of the train, primarily from the tip of the tongue up at the front. And you can see those are burning holes into the rock when they land on the ground. A lot of noise is going on. Um, I think reaching crosses the little walkway and um, starts to unlatch the, the next car. But before he does, he turns to Keva and the others and says, I'm going to scout ahead and see if there's a welcoming party. Give me about a minute. Aye, aye. Uh, Jojo will stand at the aperture just in case there is a welcoming party. Okay, so what do you want to do here? Uh, I would like to stalk forward and activate stealth mode. Okay, how does your stealth mode work? I crouch. <laughs> <laughs> so you take two stress to wrap yourself cloak of charmed shadow. So it's a holographic that wraps around the exterior of the sphere and tries to show what's on the other side on the screen, something like that? Yeah, it's, it's not magical. It's definitely technological in the very least. Okay. That's some, some hologram stuff. So I'm asking you from sight, scent, and hearing for a few minutes. Uh, take one stress for each extra, fix, uh, each extra feature. The cloak lasts a few hours. The cloak covers a small group. While cloaked, you're magically aware of anyone nearby. That was the one I was going to burn an extra stress for. You're aware of anyone nearby. Okay. All right, so you can... 
uh, put in your stress there. Uh, and you're going through the door there? Yep. Okay. As you enter the next car, you can see that this one is different from the car before. This appears to be some type of dining car. There's uh, tables on either side with booths-style seating, like benches. Uh, and the tables currently don't have anything on them. Uh, a couple of the tables have what appears to be like a, a hot plate built into the middle of them, maybe for some type of hot pot or barbecue at the table type deal, like a Korean barbecue deal or a hot pot kind of thing. Uh, the other tables are just completely flat. And uh, there is lighting that is softer in this train. It looks like it has got you know some uh, sconces on the walls to provide a better ambiance for dining in here. Uh, there is something nearby that you can see. It, it appears to be a drone, and the drone is hovering up and down the middle of the train car and occasionally hovering over on top of one of the tables and scanning uh, the table with a sort of blue scanning light and then hovering off when it sees that there's nothing ordered and no customers and nothing burning. So, so this is your standard dining bot? Yeah. Okay. With my charm veil, can I sense that uh, the demon is in control of this thing, or is it in, is it just on its standard routine? Hmm. Uh, it appears to just be on its standard routine, uh, but there is this sort of background radiation of the presence of something powerful that's just like throughout everything in a way. You can feel it gets. It feels like it's getting stronger the closer to the front of the train you get, but there is that in inherent presence of the demon's power throughout every part of the train. It's not, it's not entirely clear just from your passive uh, awareness here uh, whether or not this drone is under anyone's control, but it appears to just be following standard dining bot procedure. You would have seen this in restaurants before. Uh, yeah, I think um, Reaching is just going to relay that information over comm and continue into the dining car describing as he goes the dining car uh is there's not much of excitement here beyond what has already been described there's nobody in it other than the drone it just appears to be a dining car and you can see up on the other end of it there is another door leading up to the next car up all right jojo bring them through but nice and slow there's a drone watching everything inside the dining car gonna keep going or trip anything you'll know sounds good nope nothing too horrendous happens because i am gonna be riding a train <laughs> <laughs> Like two weeks. Well, let us know if you uh, if you are feeling uncomfortable with anything happening on the train here. Uh, okay, so you, I guess you head up into the next car beyond this one as well. Just want to make the most use out of my charm veil while it lasts. Okay, uh, so you get up uh, across the little walking path, and the next door, as you go to open it, you can feel that the door is actually quite hot. There's um, like a heat haze over this door possible ward on the door i'm going to inspect it it's getting hot in here and i'm gonna to try to tune to the door okay you can you can like feel the heat coming out from uh you know the, the slight gap at the bottom and the top as well it's it is quite hot the heat that's coming out of this that's why it's radiating off the uh the metal of the door here uh, so you want to tune to the door yeah i want to open it without touching it okay um sure uh you're still in a control position here and I think tuning to the door to open it without touching it, you probably have some wireless stuff in your exit, like a Bluetooth or something. I mean, the slate says that it's a computer as well. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that'll be standard effect then. I'm sorry. I did not mean to do that. <laughs> uh, I can uh, we'll, we'll just take the, the first result because you have one in tune, right? I do have the one. So the first result, yeah, the first result that you had on the first dice was a six though. So that's good. Um, 
So tuning to the door, the door does not have any additional wards that you can really detect on it, uh, at least not through any technological means. Uh, but what you can see sort of by examining the door and the, uh, the window and such in it and looking in is that this next car is just fire. Like it appears to be a fairly regular train car just with seats and stuff on either side, but everything is fire, not on fire, just fire. The entire car is made of fire, this next one. It, um, not on fire, composed of flame. Oh, so it's not on fire, it's of fire. Yes, uh, let me be precise in my language. <sighs> We're in a hot situation here. Okay. <laughs> I knew it was coming, I knew it was coming. Maybe we can just climb over or over the side of this car? We could baby elephant walk it if you want, but the car itself is going to be hot. Mm-hmm. Uh... The dining drone hovers over the group that is in the dining car, and it sort of beeps a question like, a, do you want a menu, or are you hungry, or anything like that? You said hover, so this is a flying drone? Yep. I'll take a menu. The drone uh, hovers over to Jojo and extrudes a... Uh, uh, laminated, uh, looks like it's fairly standard uh, fungus paper, uh, extrudes some of it out to you, and it has a, a menu of uh, very basic food items on it. It doesn't look like there's anything fancy that it's programmed to provide or that it has available, but, you know, basic ration-type stuff, uh, you know, some cookies, dried things, kelp, uh, jerky. It's, it's just remarkable because... The Misfits put all this time and attention into making a train that could travel through dimensions and still made a dining car. Yeah, and one that serves not that great food. Besides, it's not even food crackers. <sighs> okay. So how how sturdy does this uh, dining droid uh, look? The dining drone? Yes, the drone. Sorry. Uh, it's... It looks like uh, a Roomba if a Roomba were flying instead of on the floor. Okay, so, it's so just... not not strong by any means. Not necessarily. I mean, it can it can carry around plates of food and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so depending on how much you weigh, you could maybe do something with that. But it probably couldn't carry most of the people here. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how much. Maybe Ollie could ride it. I don't know. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. That's what Pretty. that's what Ollie was thinking too. I've never tried mm. to ride a Roomba though, so. <laughs> and your I, inner cat. Well, I have I have seen a possum ride a Roomba. Um, well, yeah. well, well, <laughs> well, 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 well. <laughs> Obviously, it must work. There's precedence. <laughs> I'm going to uh, uh, Matt. I, I would like to argue for a precedence six. <laughs> Duly noted. I'll enter it into the record. Thank you. I could also just try to throw people across over the of fire cards. That is possible. Can I open oh. the fart? Oops, sorry. Go, go ahead. Sorry, I, I found the clip. <laughs> what was your question? Who, me? Yes, reaching. Um, I was wondering if I could open the far door of the, uh, of the fire cart. Hmm. I don't know if you could do that from here without some type of boost to your range. Now, what if I tick my comms pack and fire a dart into the other door control? Uh, you could probably do that. Uh, what are you going to fire it with? My fine rifle. Oh, all right. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, if you mark those off, you can 
maybe like launch a uh, range extender onto the roof somewhere midway down the train. You can do a roll for that and see how it goes. Does um does reaching's like wireless technology? Does it use uh, wave spores or some other thing? What did the Centaurans use? Uh, the Centaurans probably had fairly standard like wireless communication radio wave type stuff. I'm not sure how. I I, I don't think that this. I, maybe this mech suit is Centauran. I'm gonna say it's your standard stuff. Well, the standard in Medley Stead is is wave tech. Then okay, wave tech, wave tech it is because it is more advanced and more reliable and so on. Um, yeah, okay. So then your what you're firing is basically like a little mushroom, <laughs> mushroom on a spike. My one of my arms um, folds in on itself, becomes like a like a com- communications launcher essentially. It's not really used for violence, and I just shoot a mushroom out of that. Hell yeah, yeah. mushroom on a spike. Oh. Spiked mushroom launcher is the best thing that you've ever said. Maybe it's got an adhesive you know, gunk or something on the bottom. I don't, it's up to you. You don't I, think it's overkill to spike the shrooms? No, I'm <laughs> spiking the shrooms. I don't believe in overkill. I believe in getting the job done. All right. Uh, so let's make a, a, a roll to see how that shot goes. See if you're able to land it in the, uh, in the situation. And you, you have, you have managed to retain your controlled position so far, thanks to several lucky rolls. Uh, so we are still in a controlled position. And I think you're launching this, on an arc from the back end of the fire train car up over the roof and somewhere into the middle of the roof of the on f- of the fire train car. Is my understanding of what you're doing here? That is my hope, yes. Okay. I'm going to say that is going to be, you've got your fine rifle. I think it would normally be because you can't necessarily see where you're aiming. It would normally be limited, but with your fine rifle, it'll be standard effect. So controlled standard. Of, of what? Finesse. What do you think? What's your shooting a thing into a roof? What's your what's your shooting move? Well, I know that you can. I might be. Hmm, I don't think it's thunder. I, I might. I don't think it's. It might be trace. I don't think it's skirmish. Attack with precision shooting from a. Yeah, it's trace. Yeah, trace. Okay, that's what I figured. So that's exclamation one. Yeah. Yeah. I um I shoot it into space. So you you rolled a three. All right. So that's a controlled consequence. Uh, the action fails. You could try again with a different action or from a worse position, on a risky position, or I can come up with a different consequence for you. You fire this mushroom and it like you know it it doesn't quite stick on the it skitters off the roof and falls to the side where a stray gobbit of acidic spit consumes it and it burns up into nothingness. I'll try again from a worse position. Okay. And you're in a risky position. You'll still be in standard effects with your second shot here. Partial. That's a four. Okay. So uh, risky here. Uh, deny the strider a piece of gear or have them lose it. I think the mushroom that latches onto the, uh, onto the roof of the fire train here, it lasts just long enough for you to broadcast a signal through it. The door on the other end opens up and then the mushroom burns away and your uh, comms pack is no longer something you can use until the next downtime. Blast you, fire car. And of course, you can resist consequences if you wish. <clears throat> I'm good for now. I'll let that happen. Okay. Uh, so the door on the other end of the fire car is open. Uh, do you all want to take a break? Keekers, she, her, is at be a space cat on Twitter and plays Kevajarma, also she, her. Michael Blood, they, them, is at good sir blood on Twitter and plays reaching through the night, he, him. 
Velvet, Faye Fair, is at Uchi Brown Sugar and plays Jojo, they them. Trudy, they them, is at Good Damage and plays All the Oxen Free, they them. I'm Matter Arp, here they, your friendly guide. You can find me on Twitter at PyCaliber. Follow the show at Broken Sun RPG. Visit our website, brokensunrpg.com. Our opening theme is Wholesome by Kevin McLeod. Our ending theme is Where's Life by Art. I want to acknowledge that this podcast is produced on the unceded territory of the Katsi, Coquitlam, Stalo, Kwantlen, Staminas, and Musqueam people, and the treaty land of the Tawasan First Nation. Support Indigenous people around the world by exploring the Settler Saturday hashtag on Twitter and other social media to donate directly, and by learning about the Land Back Movement and finding out how you can contribute too. 